You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, how was Christmas in the Lang household? Did uh, was Santa Claus uh, good to to you? It was wonderful, John. It was, yeah. yeah not only to me, but the three kids and the wife, and uh, it was a beautiful day. Christmas to me is always uh, very nostalgic, right? Bringing back the, the memories of, of being a kid, and uh, you know that excitement coming down on Christmas morning, and now you get to uh, see it with my own children and. Uh, I don't know. I'm always the type of guy that I'm like, don't get anything for me. I don't need anything. I got everything I need. I just want everybody else to be happy. But yeah. I always seem to come out with the most presents you know, <laughs> between my wife and, and kids and, you know, my mom. And I'm like, guys, I don't need anything, you know. But, yeah, it was nice. I mean, it was really nice. Kids actually uh, slept in for the most part, right? 7 a.m. wake up call. Wow. I mean, I was impressed. I was expecting uh, 5.30, 6-ish. But, yeah, the kids... Uh, kids let us get a little bit extra sleep Saturday morning and uh it, it was a nice day man I mean it was uh it was not the white Christmas that yeah, I love so much just looking at the uh snow falling down but um yeah it was a beautiful day and uh you know I was uh, lucky enough to find a flight down to Atlanta on Sunday morning so I didn't have to leave the family behind on Christmas day and uh it was nice man it was just it's always uh it's always very special and I, I know you know this too just to watch the the joy on the kids' faces, yeah. you know, getting uh, getting that big present, and for my kids, you know, my daughter, you know, have you heard the American Girl dolls? I don't. It's like oh, I've got yeah, Barbie, I got three of those in storage right now. Expensive as hell. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter was so excited about that. His son got some golf clubs. He's he's into golf, so he'll have to wait a few months to use his. But uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was it was a lovely, lovely morning. Oh come on, you got to take him out to Top Golf, aren't you? Well, actually, we have a. We, actually, you know what? We put a uh, we put a simulator in my garage last March. So um, he won't have to wait to use them. But that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. That that was a that was a great buy. You know, the the first day I put it in, I mean, I use it a couple days a week, and yeah, I mean, my my kids are out there almost every day. It's like just a nice little playground to get out of the house a little Heck bit. But yeah, yeah, it's, it was definitely uh, definitely a uh, valuable purchase. What was the uh, the pucker factor of? catching that morning flight before the game, knowing that there had been thousands of cancellations. Yeah, I mean, this past weekend was weird, right? I mean, you know, uh, one of the uh, most traveled weekends of the year as far as uh, airports. And, 
you know, waking up on Saturday and one of the first uh, news stories I read were how there were, you know, 3,500, 4,000 flights canceled <laughs> worldwide. And I'm like, just figures, man. The one day I want to fly out on the game day, I'm going to be screwed. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kept, uh, I kept waking up Saturday night and even early, you know, Sunday morning, just checking, checking for those updates. Yeah. And, uh, I did kind of pucker a little bit. I woke up about 4:45 Sunday morning. I looked over my phone and I had a, uh, a message from Delta and I'm like, Oh no. And I rolled over and it just, it was just a courtesy message. Hey, your flight's on time and see uh-huh. you soon. And I'm like, thank yeah. God. Thanks yeah. for the panic. Thank God. I mean, a lot of guys that, uh, you know, work, work the, uh, game day radio TV, they don't recommend flying out on the day of the game because look, if there's a snowstorm, if something gets canceled, you're screwed. There's yeah. nothing you can do, especially, you know, when it's not in driving distance, but, uh, we made it work. We made it work and it was, uh, it was worth it. You know, it was worth, uh, spending the extra few hours at home on Saturday Christmas with the kids and oh, yeah. and with the family but yeah it was uh, it was definitely i would say uh nerve level probably about a 6 out of 10 you uh-huh. know didn't sleep much saturday night and uh, but we got we got down there safe got back down got back home uh, sunday night and it was a nice little work day going down to watch the lions play and uh, talking about the lions i mean you know, another heartbreaker. I don't know how much heartbreak you can you can stand in one season. I mean, this seems like the what probably fourth or fifth game now that you know it's just got kind of ripped away from you as the as the clock ticks off in the fourth quarter. But uh, you know what? I, I think I was impressed. You know, I, I think this Lion team's can uh, team continues to. Um, kind of not defy the odds, but really impress people, you know, yeah. and even me personally going into the game on Sunday, I'm like, ah, eh. you know, you don't have your top three offensive guys, golf, Hawkinson, Swift, and I'm like, eh, you know, there's a chance. I don't know, maybe this thing can get a little ugly and, and they go out there and they battle and they compete. But look, I think uh, uh, we're at the point now where, you know, and I even asked coach this question after the game was, was uh, you know, you, you still you got to be impressed with just the way that your team competes and the effort yeah. and the attitude. And um, I got a little different message this week. It was like, yeah, I mean, that's great. But look, we, you know, we expect to win games. And I think that's something that you see the tide starting to turn with that team a little bit where, uh, you know, ten weeks ago against Baltimore and Minnesota, and yeah, hey effort guys, was great. Look at the effort, yeah. you know, no, but you guys are ten point, twelve point underdogs, and man, you almost pulled it off. Yeah, you know, we're proud of the effort. We were close. Now it's like, nah, yeah, it's great, but you know, we, it doesn't matter if you lose, right? And I think that uh, opened up my eyes a little bit. I'm like, man, this team, it doesn't matter who they they throw out there to play. They expect to win, and that's what that's the confidence that you get after you beat a really good Arizona team the way that they did. And, you know, I, I think that there's still some things, even though they didn't win the game, there were still a lot of areas that you see them improving in. You know, you see, I think Coach Campbell really the last two or three weeks especially has, um, you know, called a really good game. And it hasn't made a whole lot of, uh, you know, silly decisions that we saw for, you know, maybe the first three or four games coming out of the bye week. Um, and and that, that's what it's all about right now at this point of the season is, is finishing up strong, you know, competing your ass off, uh, trying to find some guys that you can build off in the future. And I think, uh, you know what, outside of not winning that game, I, I thought they, they did really a lot of good things. So we've talked a lot about the some of the guys that they're going to be building around. And we know what this offensive line means, especially when they get Frank Ragnow back. And you and I have both in agreement. Most, most people that understand the game of football know that if you've got an offensive line that is that can be dominant, you can be in any game. And you pair that with a defensive front, you know, and hopefully as 
as the defense continues to develop that you can be in any game. And they've been in a lot of games, but if you can't score 20 points, like it makes it really hard. Yeah. The defense has done a good job of holding teams to that kind of that 20 point mark so many times and and the offense just hasn't held up their end of the bargain, but the one the one thing that was different in this game is the quarterback. Jared Goff, we you know talked about how he's been playing better over the past month. They've got two wins out of out of this team and and a lot of large part because Jared Goff is playing better. Right, that that drive, um, you know, at the end of the game, a minute fifty left in their first win. He takes them down, scores, they win. Boom! You get another win against Arizona. Jared Goff's playing better. He's out uh, with the COVID this week. Tim Boyle steps in. What did you see from Tim Boyle? Do you do you think he has the ability to be a number two in this league? Uh, yeah, maybe a number two. I I don't think that you know when, when everybody. When we got into training camp, I think that uh, a lot of people expected Tim Boyle to kind of push Jared Goff a little yeah. bit, um, <clears throat> and it was kind of hard to evaluate because Tim Boyle, his only snaps in an NFL game came in garbage time, you know, taking a knee or handing it off a little bit. Yeah, um, or preseason. But just, yeah, but just uh, – and, and hearing a lot of things out of Green Bay, you know, from guys that I still know over there, I mean, they a lot of people really thought highly of Tim Boyle. So when they signed him, I know that there was some expectation that – uh, not only can he be a good number two, but can he push Jared Goff? Can he maybe compete for that spot? If not, at least make Jared Goff a little bit better with that competition. Um, I, I didn't see anything, uh, you know, Sunday that was, I guess, like super concerning I- I- until the last throw, which was obviously, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's be, be honest, it was just a t- horrible decision. Yeah. Um, but he, he did what he needed to do to keep that team in the game. And early I thought – uh, they allowed him to kind of get into a rhythm with, uh, you know, some of those shorter passes and uh, getting the ball out of his hands and letting, you know, the the skilled guys, uh, you know, make some plays. Um, but I, I, I wish, you know, there was a couple times when that – and th- as the game developed where he just looked like he really started rushing things, you know. Um, quarterbacks kind of get a little happy feet a little yeah. bit, and uh, there's times where – Oh, you know, he's he's just kind of throwing the ball away, and it's like, dude, just take the extra second, man. The offensive line's protected. You know, you're not getting hit. Read the mm-hmm. field. And there's a couple things that I think he can learn from from that game. But, um, yeah, I think he – look, he showed that for the most part, I mean, he can go in there and manage the game and, um, you know – didn't you can only really say the one mistake when it came at the biggest point of the game. Uh, other than that, I, I thought he did a good job of just running the offense and doing what uh, the game plan called him to do. And uh, you know, I, I do I think he can be a starter? Uh, maybe not right now, but yeah. um, you know, I'm sure that was a very valuable game for him individually uh, to improve off of, to get better off of, and to learn from some of the things that that, that he did and. Uh, you know, it, it just really came down to the red zone. I mean, they moved the ball. They had the ball for 38 minutes in that game to Atlanta's 22, which uh, is extremely lopsided yeah. in an NFL game. Uh, and it just came down to the red zone. They couldn't find a way to uh, really utilize any weapons. I know you're missing Hawkinson but and Swift, but, um, you know, they just they couldn't really find a way to scheme any other, other guys to, to make a play down there. And that's, that's ultimately what cost them. It did. And uh, the uh, Lions have two games left. Um, they they traveled to Seattle um, in the new year uh, to start off the new year, and then they finish up against Green Bay. 
I, I don't really know that I want to spend any more time talking about this because you know we talk about the young guys and developing. We talk about the compete level uh, and the fact that they've gone from just wanting to compete to expectations are to go out there and actually win a game now. All of those things are good things, but there's two weeks left of this season, uh, so we'll move on. We'll get a chance to talk about the Seattle trip uh, next week and, and obviously the end of the season. And as we get into the playoffs, as we watch other teams, we'll obviously get a chance to talk about what the Lions, what moves we expect the Lions to have, what to, what to do in the offseason, and the expectations going into next year. Um, but I do want to shift focus to college football. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk about the matchup between Michigan and Georgia, which will happen on Friday night. Um, and hopefully neither team or any of the four teams are affected by uh, COVID and the outbreak of, of positives that we've seen in college football. We've seen it in all sports. Uh, but I do want to ask you a question about the validity of these games, the bowl games, because we've seen a number of them canceled, whether they're canceled because of COVID, uh, they're canceled in a combination of COVID, players not available because they're opting out, they're transferring. Doug Karsh and I did the uh, quick lane bowl on Monday, and it was between Western Michigan and Nevada, and I felt so bad for the kids that were playing for the Wolfpack because... They had they lost their coach. Jay Norvell took a job uh, from Nevada to Colorado State, which it's not a it's not a move up. Other than I think they're just paying him more than he was making at Nevada, and took with him a whole bunch of coaches. So there were actual there were three actual position coaches that were left on Nevada's roster with a few GAs. There were twenty players that were unavailable that this team had played with. All season long, there were 20 guys unavailable for the bowl game because 15 of them transferred to Colorado State with the coach. A number of other ones, including their quarterback, Carson Strong, who's going to be in this year's NFL draft, their number one receiver, their number one tight end, their number two, you know, their, their top two offensive linemen, unavailable. Your thoughts on, first of all, what has happened to bowl games? And let's just take COVID out of it for a minute. But what's happened to bowl games and the fact that they've been devastated by transfers and opt-outs? Yeah, well, I I think the first thing that comes to mind is they just seem, uh, really for the first time this year, just extremely watered down. You know, the Rose Bowl, take for instance, I mean, Ohio State coming out today and uh, you know they're going to be without four guys yep. that are that are opting out. Their two top receivers, Alave and uh, Garrett Wilson, both They're not going to play. Left tackle not going to play. They've got guys that uh, just aren't going to play. And it's like you look at it and you're like, it's the freaking Rose Bowl, man. Like, yeah. That used to mean something, you know. That used to be uh, the biggest game of bowl season, you know. And uh, it just seems that it's just watered down. And you know what? I I, I do find a hard time blaming the players. Um, because I, I just think it ultimately, you know, if you're a guy that's projected, you know, first round or maybe even end of the first, early second, I do think it's the right decision because you've seen that in years past, you know, Michigan fans, you saw it with Jake Buck getting hurt in the bowl game. You know, remember Jalen Smith, the Notre Dame linebacker who was going to be a first round pick who gets hurt and it's just, it can derail a career. And I know that there are very few examples of that happening, but if it's a possibility, 
I, I mean, I just I, I have a hard time blaming the players for for making that decision for their future. And, and but what I really think it comes down to is, uh, you know, if it, it comes down to if you're not in you know a great bowl game and, and you're projected to be a top player, I think that decision's fine. Um, or if you're a team who you know, just didn't fit up to your expectations on the season, you know, when you're playing in Ohio, look at Ohio State. I mean, they expected to be uh, a championship contender this year, right? They expected, they probably thought they were one of the best two teams in the nation, which they were for most of the season until Michigan beat their ass. Uh, but you look at them and, and there, there's probably a factor of, well, we're not playing for the national championship. What does it matter? You know, right. that's that's what the expectations are. That's what the goals are. When you're not able to get to that goal, I think that's when you start to, and maybe make a selfish decision and say, "All right, I really got to you know look out for myself because you haven't seen any guys in the playoffs that have really opted out. I mean, you, right. you've seen a couple guys so far, um, you know, with the COVID issues, but you haven't seen any opt outs. And that's what it. And, and I, I think to sum it all up, this is going to, I really think, force uh, college football's hand to expand the playoffs. And I think it's whether it's going to be six teams, whether it's going to be eight teams. Um, you know that's that's what they have to do to not only make more money but to keep people interested and and maybe incentivize these college players to play because look I mean if you're looking at the Rose Bowl you could even take the Peach Bowl with no Kenny Pickett no Kenneth Walker yeah okay like, you great. whoever see? wins that game it's like okay you beat a second string quarterback okay you beat him without their best way or you know what I mean yeah. and, and that can affect uh, that can also affect viewers you know that can affect viewers who who wants to watch Ohio State without any weapons you know like it's just kind of a boring <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of just watered down and um, you know, the transfer portal is, uh, I mean, <laughs> incredibly interesting, right? I think it's good for the players to at least give them one chance to, you know, get out and go somewhere or either capitalize on, on what you're doing at a smaller school and try to bump up. Or I, I think the transfer portal is good, but I think it's also, um, it's kind of hindering these teams a little bit, you know, and, and especially when you think of the fact that a lot of these kids are doing it before. Uh, the bowl games are even played before the season's really over. I think is uh, it can be a little concerning, but look, I, I think that it just when it hits the Rose Bowl, man, it's like okay, man, like it's just it seems incredibly watered down. It's just the, those games just don't mean as much as 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 what they used to mean. So I think there's a few things that we as fans have to accept. And I, the, the one is the answer to better participation in bowl games is you make more game more games mean something. So you expand the playoffs, whether it's 6, 8, 12, whatever it is, you get more teams with a shot at a national championship. Those, those teams are not going to have opt-outs because they're actually playing for a shot at a national title. We've seen that with four. I think it'll carry over to, to however many are in that the college football playoffs. But I also think in terms of just viewing a bowl game. We've got to change our perspective of, or at least our expectations of what we're seeing. I don't think there's any meaningless game. So when I watch a football game, it's, it's two teams and the players that are, that show up, Hey, those are the ones that are going to be playing to me. It's, it's almost like we when Phil Steele's you know, preview comes out. We get a chance to go through. I don't know if you do. I do. I pour through it and I say, okay, you know, who's going to be on this offensive line? Where's he ranking these guys? It kind of gives you a starting point of what to expect for this college football season. I think bowl games are now that. They're the visual preview of what you're going to see next year. So it's if you have Kenny Pickett 
who's not playing in this game, Kenneth Walker, who's not playing in this game. Yeah, you don't see the incoming freshman or you don't know what's going to happen in the transfer portal, but you do get a chance to see who's going to step into those positions next year. Who are the guys that are currently on the roster that are going to be the quarterback for you know Pitt? Who's going to be the running back for Michigan State? Who's going to be on the offensive line for Ohio State? Who is the next receiver that you're going to see for uh, for Ohio State? That to me is is why I'm watching these bowl games, and it's 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 it sucks because, like you mentioned, growing up the bowl games. That was it, right? New Year's Day, that was it. We don't even have bowl games, and I hate to say this out loud, that matter on New Year's Day because the two semifinal games are going to be New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. Now, the Rose Bowl, yes, that is. New Year's Six games, yes, that those games to you and I matter, but to the next generation, I don't think that they carry the same weight. And And it breaks your heart to think that the Rose Bowl doesn't matter to somebody. Right. But I also, I, so that's my perspective when I watch the games. It's not necessarily, all right, wins and losses. Who's going to win or lose these games? I'll get wrapped up if it's a good game. But I want to see the, the, the up and coming. Who's going to be the Heisman hopefuls for next year? Who's going to set the standard for or compete? Because it's an opportunity for those kids who, who haven't had a chance to step in there because, uh, you know, Chris Olave is in there or Garrett Wilson is in there or, you know, Nicholas T. Petit Ferrer, the left tackle, is in there. Now it's next man up, and who is going to be that left tackle for Ohio State? Who's going to be those receivers? That's what I want to see when I watch these games. So I'm hoping that you know maybe fans, instead of just turning it off, will still watch the games, but with a different expectation and a different perspective. The other thing I'm wondering is, in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, we know, simple math says, there's only 64 players that are going to be taking in the first two rounds. There's a hell of a lot more than 64 players that are opting out of bowl games. Mm-hmm. You are a, a, a fourth-round guy, right? Mm-hmm. Do you feel, from your perspective, that an extra opportunity to go on the field for you when you were at Eastern Michigan was another opportunity for you, for scouts to see what does T.J. Lang bring to the table? Or do you feel like it was already set what teams were looking at when they watched your film? No, I mean, I if I would have had another chance, I would, <laughs> I would have taken another year if I could have, yeah, you know, to try to improve. Um, because I didn't know, you know, I, I think that towards the end of my senior season, I started hearing some chatter about, uh, you know, NFL interest. And it's like, okay, great, but I didn't know. Look, I got projections anywhere from the second round all the way to there were some teams I met with that said, hey, after the draft, we're going to call you, you know, and I'm yeah. like, free agent. Okay, wow, I don't, so I didn't really know, but yeah, I think that was, that was a big part of why I wanted to go play in the um, the All-Star game, the Texas First Nation game, because I had, you know, they, they sent the rosters out, there were guys from Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, it's like, dude, I want to go compete against these guys, man, yeah. that, that's only going to not only let me know where I stand, but man, if I play well, that can improve my status as well. So yeah, I think me as a guy who was a mid-round guy, I, I, there's no way I would have opted out and just been happy saying, uh, you know, okay, if I go in the fifth or sixth, eh, whatever, you know, but no, I think, uh, but it also goes back to expectations too in the season. I mean, look at Ohio State. They're probably pissed that they're in the Rose Bowl, right? Oh, sure. If they're in the, if they're in the playoff, if they're in the playoff, uh, the college football playoffs, those guys are playing. They're There's not no opting question out. Right. That they're playing, but you're also, but we're talking about, 
Garrett Wilson, he's going to be a first-round pick. Yeah, Olave uh, probably uh, going to be a first-round pick. Right, and, yeah. and Petit Ferrer, I, I don't know. I don't think he's a first-round guy, but he's probably the first two rounds. Right. And so you're, what, what I the, – the thing is, is I, underst- I don't agree with it, but I understand because of the money involved, the guys that are going to be taken in the first two rounds – opting out of a game yeah. that is not going to improve their draft stock. Right. If you're a mid-round if guy. If you're a mid-round guy, guy, because we see it all the time. I mean, there are guys that leave with eligibility yeah. that don't get drafted. Yeah. There are guys that are going to be taking in the, the fourth and fifth round that it could greatly benefit them yeah. if they go out and play in this bowl game because we all know that there's there are there's a certain way that leagues – and and programs are perceived, right. right? The perception that Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan puts out good offensive linemen, that's there, right? Mm-hmm. The the perception that you know, and let's just use the the MAC, the whether it's Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Central, that if they have a chance to go play against a Big Ten team or they play against an SEC team or an ACC team. For those guys, and we're just talking about offensive linemen, if they go perform well against that talent, it gives those scouts and those GMs an idea of, okay, well, he played in the MAC or he played in the American or he played in the Sun Belt, and he was now competing against these guys that are, are Big Ten. It's a, it's a, it's a at least a known perception. I want to say a known commodity, but there are no known commodities. It's a known perception that if you play well against a certain defensive front or at least a, a league, that all of a sudden, instead of a fourth round, you may be now graded at third round. Yeah. And that's a big difference in money when we're talking about the NFL draft. I just that's what irritates me and it and I think it goes back to agents. Uh, that's and what I was gonna bring up. There's it, a lot of kids out there that get they a get a blow, bad smoke advice, blown bad, right up their ass. Bad advice. I mean, I can I can just tell a quick story. My senior year, uh, I was right on the bubble of going to the combine or not, you know. And with the combine, I think you know if you come out as a junior, it's almost like an automatic invite, right? Because everybody's yep. like, oh, well, he's coming out of the junior teams must love him. And there were three or four offensive linemen that, that year that came out as juniors that went to the combine over me. Mm-hmm. That all of them went undrafted, and I'm sitting there going. Who the hell are you getting your yeah. advice? You you come out as a junior to go undrafted? I mean, who the hell? And I don't know if it's agents, if it's parents, if it's fan. There was an instance just last week. I mean, looking at, uh, you know, I'm pretty involved with Eastern Michigan still, and um, they've got a couple kids that are transferring. And, and there was another kid who was a D lineman who uh, had another year, year of eligibility. And, you know, he comes out and he posts, uh, you know, it's been great time blah blah appreciate eastern but i'm gonna move on and uh, start getting ready for the nfl no i text a couple of my buddies in the nfl that are scouts and i'm saying hey what do you know about this kid yeah nobody knew it knew yeah. his name who? and it's like and that <laughs> yeah. leads me back to the question of who the hell are you getting your advice from <laughs> because as college players look there's no real way to kind of gauge where you're at you don't talk to nfl teams that are telling you oh we think you're going to be a first round you're looking at maybe mock drafts and and this and that and you really got to rely on agents coming in and there's a lot of scumbag agents that i'm going to make you the highest paid guy no you're going to be a first rounder oh you're going to be this and this and this and blowing smoke up your ass and there's a ton of dudes that are that just they have to find out the hard way that 
you know, they, they're getting lied to. Yeah. And that, that's not a good feeling. But, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the agent conversation because there's a lot of kids out there that, that unfortunately get a lot of really terrible advice. Would you be for a mechanism where, especially for guys that, and maybe it is that they have to play in their bowl game, but if they decide to forego any eligibility and they get undrafted, that they can go back to their school. They can go back and, you know, re-enroll and still be a part of that team and try again next year. Uh, I man, know logistically uh, there's so much there's so much crap that that goes on because it's because you're also now spring ball you're yeah, not going to be a part of teams are also probably going to have to look at a way to try to open up a scholarship to get you back on the team right, right. so um, look I, I think there's part of me that you know when when kids do make that decision and uh, look I, I think you got to live with the decision you make you know whether it's hey you go and, and you're not drafted as high or hey you go and you're not drafted at all. That's the decision you make, man. Like that's life. You know There's consequences. Yeah. There's consequences. You got to deal with that. Now, the you know the angel on my shoulder says, yeah, you don't just want to see a kid completely fail. You know, just because maybe he got some bad advice, maybe right. it's not his fault, and and he deserves a chance to you know either go back or do whatever. But you know that that's life, man. You make yeah. decisions, and 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 if you're wrong, and a lot of us get bad advice. You know, sometimes you get screwed over, but. Uh, that that's life, man. Yep. You know, that's life. And I think that's my, uh, my, my stance on it. It's, yeah. it's just, maybe you, you, that was, that's the most important decision of Them's your life at that point. Yeah. And, uh, if you, you make the wrong one, I mean, kind of got to deal with it. Now yeah. there was a kid a couple of years ago at Eastern Michigan that, uh, one of my good friends who I tried talking out of, he was a junior defensive end. And I talked to him at the bowl game, and he was talking to me about agents, and he wanted to come out to the NFL. And I started talking to a lot of my buddies in Green Bay and even in Detroit, and everybody's saying, yeah, he's a good, you know, we like him. Uh, he could probably use another year of, of college just to yeah. build a little bit of weight and uh, whatnot. He's probably going to be a mid-round pick. Um, and he ended up, I told him all that. I said, It'd take it, you know, it's still your decision, but do you want to be a mid-round pick or do you want to go back to college and maybe be a first or second round guy you know and and he decided to come out and he made a pretty good decision his name's max crosby and he's oh, one of the yeah. best defensive ends in the nfl and i think that he had different motivation as well you know he i remember talking to him and um you know he had family issues where he felt like going to the nfl and, and was going to give him chances to help his family uh right away uh, yeah. helped him out a lot and um so he made the right decision coming out I and mean, he was still a fourth rounder um but look at him now i mean he's one of the top guys in the nfl so there there is both ways of guys yeah. you know making that decision risky decision and paying off and guys making that decision saying eh, maybe you could use another year that it don't pan out but that's uh i, I just that's got to be a difficult decision though i know that yeah. if you're if you're a mid-round guy obviously if you're a top guy you know it's not a hard decision but if you're a mid-round guy if you're borderline undraftable guy you know i'm always a big proponent of go back build your resume yeah. go back for another year unless you're maybe a quarterback we've seen it happen with quarterbacks that have great junior years you know projected hey if it comes out maybe top 10 pick top 15 yeah. pick it goes back has a terrible se senior year <laughs> oh, now he's a third fourth round pick it can work both <laughs> yes. ways but yeah I, I think uh i don't know what the answer is you know maybe maybe for bowl games now that players can get paid um, maybe kind of make it like uh, like the Pro Bowl where, you know, the winning team gets uh, X amount, the losing team gets half of that. Yeah. You know, maybe there's some sort of some incentive like there that, yeah. where, where not only do you feel like if you're opting out, 
you know, you're, you're, you're costing, you're, you're not only missing out, but you're also costing, you know, some of your buddies and teammates a <laughs> good money. chunk of change. Yep. Um, because look at the bowl payouts. I mean, you know, just reading yesterday, the Sun Bowl is like, you know, four million. Yep. And it's like, holy shit, you know, and, and uh, Barstool just had to cancel their bowl because one of the team, I think it was Boise State, dropped out and, and their payout was like 350 grand. And the other team was Central Michigan. And Central Michigan called and they're like, can we go play in the Sun Bowl versus, I don't remember who it was, yeah. but they let them do that. So now Central Michigan, you go from a $350,000 payout to a $4 million payout. It's like, holy <laughs> Give the, give the players a little bit of piece of that money. Build some build some incentive for them to kind of stick yeah. around in the transfer guys and, and the opt play. out guys to play. Yeah. yeah. Well, it'll be interesting too. But we won't know this until the final numbers are in in regards to those that do forego any eligibility. But you mentioned financial decisions, and if you're a mid round guy, obviously the money in the NFL is more than you're going to be making in 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 nil money. But could that incentivize a kid from, hey, I, I, I'm making enough to, to be able to help myself, help my family, and I can stay in college one more year because I am getting a little bit of pay and hopefully increase my stock so that in a year that payout is much greater. We, we won't know that until all the, the final numbers are. Now, TJ, I want to shift, uh, stay in the college realm uh, before the next episode, we will have the semifinal matchups between Alabama and Cincinnati. And the one that uh, obviously I'm more concerned about, and I think everybody here in the state of Michigan is, is Michigan and Georgia. That'll be the second game on New Year's Eve. Kickoff is right around 730. I'd love to get your thoughts on the matchup and your expectations of, of what you're one hoping to see, but also realistically what you think you're going to see well i hope to see michigan get a win let's start with that Hell yeah. one. <laughs> i think uh look looking at this game um i think the eight point spread is just uh, is way too much I, I can't see this being more than a one score game either way um michigan you can make an argument a damn good argument that uh by the end of the season they were playing the best football on anybody um, I know you can put Alabama in there just with the way that they won against Georgia was impressive, yeah. but Alabama, you know, they, they, they had a few hiccups there along the way and Michigan was just playing the best football. Now, uh, the biggest question is when you get this long break, right? When you get the, what, what's about a month now, yeah. right? Of break and a half where, weeks, yeah. uh, you have to kind of take a seat and do a lot of preparation, get back to the basics with just regular, I, I will assume bowl practice is a mix of like, uh, you know, maybe a training camp style where you're just kind of doing your own stuff and, and worrying about yourself and the fundamentals and technique. And then half of it is probably preparing for your opponent. Um, but how can you how can you respond out of that? How can you find a way to come out of that month long break and get off to a fast start? Right. Um, I, I look at the last really four games of of each team. Uh, each of their seasons, uh, you know, and, and Michigan was just battle tested, man. You know, you play a top five team and a top 10 team in Iowa. You play number two team in Ohio State. You go to Penn State on the road. Uh, those are tough games. You know, you look at Georgia, obviously they had the uh, big loss to Alabama. But other than that, you know, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, uh, Charleston Southern, like they're playing, you know, they're, they're not really – they haven't been as battle tested in the last – half of the season as Michigan had. And I think that that's really uh, important when you start to look at 
um, who's got the momentum and who's playing just damn good football. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think if you're Michigan, you know, I think the most important player in this game is going to be um, is going to be Cade McNamara. I think it's going to be the quarterback play because Georgia has just proven uh, all season long that their defense is, uh, you know, top defense in the nation. I mean, teams struggle to run the ball. Even Alabama struggled to run the ball. I know their stats looked a little better because Bryce Young had, you know, 40 or 50 yards on the ground. But uh, Alabama didn't run the ball much on them either. And um, you know, Just Mich- over 100 yards, but they just, had 421 passing. Pat, that's what, And that's why I think that Cade McNamara is going to have to play his best game. I think Michigan's going to have to find a way to get creative um, in the passing game, get creative uh, in the run game. I mean, Georgia just, I, in my mind, is not a team you're just going to line up against and say, okay, we're better than you, we're going to run our and yep. that's what we're going to do. You have to be creative. Like much of what we saw against Ohio State, much of what we saw uh, with a couple of the uh, you know little trick plays against Iowa, I, I think Michigan's going to have to find a way to get a couple of those in there to create explosives down the field because it, it can be tough running the ball against that group. Now, uh, Michigan's offensive line obviously was playing well, and I like to one-two punch with Haskins and Corum um, to give you a little bit of uh, you know juice there in the backfield. But it really comes down to Cade for me. It comes down to Cade McNamara. How is he going to be able to uh, respond? How is he going to be able to? Because there's there's pretty much guaranteed a point in these playoff games where everything's not going to go your way. You might find yourself down you know seven points, down ten points. And you got to manufacture some plays to go back and get your team in the game. How well is Cade McNamara going to be able to do that? Uh, we'll say a lot about their chances. But look, I don't, I don't know, man. I, and my heart tells me, you know, Michigan's going to win just because uh, of the way they've been playing, the style of football they've been playing. It's going to be a tough matchup, but I don't see it being a uh, more than a one score game either way. I just uh, don't. I, Both teams, they they just seem pretty damn even. I think so as well, and the, they're very—they're kind of almost mirror images of each other. Whether it's Stetson Bennett, the quarterback for for Georgia, and if JT Daniels, if they decide to go with him, uh, very similar to what you see from Cade McNamara. Uh, both offenses are are you know dictated on being able to establish the run, and then everything comes off of that in regards to you know the play action pass, being able to get downfield. I think the key for Michigan is going to be pass protection because you got Jordan Davis, uh, who is a just a monster monster in the middle he's huge i mean he's what six seven 360 pounds big boy uh michigan's offensive line has not seen anything like that uh nicobe dean their linebacker uh and just so everybody understands jordan davis did win the outland trophy uh nicobe dean did win the butkus award both as you know the, the 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 best lineman in the game of football in the college game of football this year and the best linebacker uh in football so their front seven is really good yeah I, to your point, in terms of Cade McNamara, if they can protect him and they can find a way to, you know, scheme some guys open and just flat out beat a few guys uh, on the edge, I think that Michigan could do something offensively. And, and in terms of running the game, running game, you're not going to be able to just run right up the middle. Right, like that is, you know, the both B gaps. I'm sorry, both A gaps will be covered by the same individual. Uh, because he is that big and that wide. They're going to have to find a way to – and you don't have to go wide. I don't think – I don't want to see them try and get to the edge because of the speed of the linebackers, yeah. but it's it's off tackle. It's it's trying to run near the tight end uh, in that realm on both sides, I think, where Michigan has to be able to attack in terms of the run game. And then defensively for Michigan, it's George Pickens – we did see him play in in that game against Alabama. He's been out most of the year because he's been recovered from an ACL surgery. 
He, I think, is going to be the one wild card that Michigan is going to have to identify offensively what he's doing, where he's from, and 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 all of that. So it'll be interesting to see how they defensively how they scheme things up against this this Georgia offense because they're they're a run first team. They're going to have another weapon at wide receiver and their tight end. Um, Brock Bowers, uh, yeah, is, ten catches in the uh, SEC championship game. For he's their leading receiver. <laughs> he's their leading receiver by almost twice as as many yards. Yeah. He's got like nearly eight hundred yards. Now, um, and has, the next closest receiver, I think, is like four twenty. Now, has Michigan played a tight end like that this year? I know Ohio State didn't really have anybody. Iowa, Iowa, uh, Iowa had a good tight end. Right, their quarterback um, was just their quarterback was garbage. Yeah, bad. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so they didn't really utilize him, but he did find. Um, and expose the defense a few times yeah. uh, by, by being able to get open. So that'll be, I think, really important. And when it comes down to it, I think the biggest thing is how do they handle, as you mentioned, the three and a half weeks? What did they do during that time to rest up, heal up, stay healthy um, so you don't pop any, any positives uh, before game? Yeah. Uh, and what did, they, you know, what did they do in terms of game plan, offensive, defensive, special teams? Um, I think field position is going to be uh, huge in this game because yards are going to be hard to come by. Yeah, and Georgia, you look at you know what are they going to do at the quarterback position? Obviously, Stetson yep. Bennett has played a majority of the season um, from D- JT Daniels. Uh, was he injured? JT Daniels or injured in the earlier in the season? I can't remember what what it was where Stetson took over. But JT Daniels now back healthy. Uh, what are they going to do at the quarterback position? They can use that maybe as a weapon. You know, keep Michigan on edge, not not knowing who they're going to be facing, or maybe that could. Uh, that could cause a little controversy over there for Georgia, but and, and even George Pickens, I think he was just uh, wasn't he on the COVID list? I thought last week he, uh, George Pickens was he was on yep. the COVID list. Yep. So and he, so was JT Daniels. But they're both off of it now, right? But they're the, back. You know, depending on how that affected them, if it did at all, um, you know, kind of you know getting your uh, getting your wind under you, uh, especially going through that and having a having a month long break. I mean, look, I, I just think uh, I, I hope it's going to be a good game. I think it is. Um, I think that Michigan just has uh, – I think they have the players to match up well with them. They don't have a Bryce Young, which right. <laughs> nobody does except one team. Yeah. Um, but, look, if 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 Caden McNamara can find a way to make plays consistently, he's not going to – I don't want to see him throw the ball 40, 50 times, but in the big moments, in the red zone, can you make a play? On third downs, can you make a play to extend the drives? I want to see him do that. If they do that, I think he's got a chance. And, look, I think this is also another – um, incredible opportunity to see what Aiden Hutchinson can do. When they played Ohio State, when they played Iowa, he was the best player on the field. You know, can you do that again? Can you have those repeat for performances on the biggest stage for your team uh, in the biggest moment? Can you do it again? Can you go show the world that uh, you know it's not a fluke what you what you did the last six games of the year? Can you show them? Hey, maybe this guy is a legitimate number one pick. Can you take over and dominate a game? I, I think uh, those are going to be the two players I'm excited to watch the most: Cade and Cade and Aiden. Well, Cade, Cade and Aiden. Yeah, <laughs> Aiden Cade. Yep, uh, my friend. I hope you uh, and your family uh, have a healthy, safe, and happy New Year. 
and we will talk to you uh, when it is 2022. I appreciate that, John. You too, big guy, and uh, have a great time down in Miami this weekend. Oh, it, it, no better way to bring in the new year <laughs> than with a win over Georgia. Well, I'll tell you what, hey, we want to make sure both TJ and I, from our families to yours, that you continue a safe and happy holiday season uh, and enjoy New Year's Eve. We all look forward to what... Uh, is is ahead of us in 2022 here in the city of Detroit in the state of Michigan. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you next week.